for um, raising up orphanages in Bristol, had some 2,000 plus children, and he did it all by faith. And what do I mean by that? He didn't stand in the front of the church and says, hey, I need some money to do this, that, and the other. He didn't apply for grants from the local council, though them days I don't think they did it anyway. He simply said, if I have a need and I bring it to God, God is able to supply it without me telling anybody else. And so we're reading that at the moment, but I'm just challenged at the power that he saw released because he simply chose to believe. He simply said, God is going to do it. And what would happen is he would wake up in the morning, he would spend time in God, and um, uh, what Gene shared, so important about reading scripture and listening to God. Uh, and he saw God just orchestrate one thing after the other. And the orphanages came out of a burden when he saw that orphans were taken out of school and put in the workhouse. And he said, that's not right. And he began to see God's provision. They were feeding at one point 80 poor people a day, all on praying in faith. And they would see miracle after miracle. They would have challenges. Sometimes the money wasn't coming in, what was happening. But God would do it. And I want to read something to you in Matthew. You know, we sometimes miss some of these things. I certainly have. In Matthew 10, it's, they've put a caption on, Jesus sends out the 12. And uh, this is what Jesus says to them. And he sends them and it says, And proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no silver or copper for your belts, uh, no bag for your journey, no two tunics, etc. Uh, whatever town or village you enter, find out if there is somebody worthy and stay with them. But it, it just goes through that these guys went out and then it says they came back rejoicing and it says even the demons submit to us. Now, I've, I've read that, that the, the accounts change slightly in some of the different Gospels because he sends out 72 as well to do the same thing. But let me ask you a question this morning. Did Jesus ever take back the authority that he gave them at that point. And it's important, isn't it? Because we kind of think, well, they went out, they saw that, he sends out 72, and they do the same thing, and we're here 2,000 years later saying, do we have the authority to do that? And I look and I think in Matthew 28, we have this famous um, Great Commission. Let me just turn to it a moment. Matthew 28, we know this, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, why is he saying that? Why is he saying, I've been given all authority? Because he then says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is going to his 12 disciples and he's saying, all authority has been given to me. 
and therefore you are to go. Now, they would have remembered that Jesus had already said to them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. They already knew that. He didn't repeat it at that point because he never took that away. And then he goes and he says, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so the process is this, that what Jesus said to the disciples, to the apostles, many, many years ago, all the authority that they had, they were to pass on to those who became disciples. And so each one of you who follows Jesus, you have the authority to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. You know, we make some of these things ministries. People talk about having a ministry of deliverance. Let me tell you, in some ways, there is no ministry of deliverance. It is the function of every believer. You have the right to tell the demonic to go. And, and I'm the thing that I'm seeing more and more as I go, it is what we ask God to do that God does. So George Muller, I'm reading through with George Muller and he's working with another guy and they're both preaching and this other guy is seeing more people getting saved. And he doesn't say it in a terms of being competitive. He said, this brother saw more people saved. He says, but I noticed that he is praying more than I am for people to be saved when he preaches. And then he said, so I started to pray that God would save more people as I preach. And he says, and all of a sudden, more people began to get saved. So here's my, my question to the you this morning. How many of you want to see miracles? Anyone? Okay. You want to see miracles? How many of you want to see people saved? See people delivered? Set free? Raise the dead? Woohoo! Now here's the question. How many of you are actively praying that you will see that? in your day-to-day -day life. Well done. That we're praying, that we're saying, Lord, today, today I want to see somebody saved. Today I want to lead somebody to Jesus. Today I want to see a healing. Today. And we keep praying and we keep praying and we keep asking and we keep believing that we're trusting in Jesus to do those things. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can do all of those things. You know, we would be surprised at how much demonic activity there is in our day-to-day -day society. Our world, certainly our Western world, does no lot, well, they don't believe in demons. They think if you start talking about demons, you've got something wrong with your brain. Let me tell you, the demonic is there and is about. And some of it is expressed in mental health. Yeah, I've, I, I've seen enough stuff with mental health. I did a course a while ago on mental health stuff. And my conclusion was this, that 90% of what the medical world offers in terms of mental health is to do with drugs that inhibit those thought patterns. 
that in actual terms of helping people release from it, there is some pretty good stuff with psychiatry and psychology that help people, but where it is something that is demonically induced, it needs to be removed. And we have the authority to do that. We have the authority to speak over things in our neighborhood, with our neighbors. You, you would not believe how many things I bound with my neighbor and then he moved out. Because God gives us the authority to do those things. And I want to challenge you this morning that not just to read your Bible, but when you read the Bible and you see the authority that you have, use it. You know, we accept so much negative stuff in our lives. We accept negative things in our families. There are things that are happening that we're not happy with. And the simple solution is this. Use your authority. Use your authority to change the situation. I, I regularly, over my family, as the head of our household, I take authority over every demonic influence and stuff that goes. I pray stuff every day. Because I believe that I have been given authority that cuts through all of that stuff. And each one of us, we have the authority. Now, sometimes... We need to say to the Lord, hold on a minute, what am I supposed to do here? Because we do need to discern things. We can't just go into something and, and just do one thing because we think that's the process. If you look at the life of Jesus, uh, one of the things that challenged me, there are two instances in the Gospels where he heals a woman who was bent over. In one instance, he casts out a demon. In another instance, he heals her from an infirmity. So even though both of them looked like they had the same thing, the root cause was something totally different. And we need the discernment in that. And that's, as Les so well shared, that's to do with words of knowledge, words of wisdom. What do we do here? And we're asking God and we're trusting that he will speak to us. And part of that is having confidence in the thoughts that he gives you. That it's one of those things, when I talk about God speaking to me, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's a thought. I don't hear a booming voice from heaven and my roof shakes and they go, yeah, this is the Lord. I don't get a letter that's smoking that an angel delivers. You know, I don't see neon lights over somewhere. I have a simple thought that enters into my mind. But I know that the thought comes from God. How do I know that? Because I've just asked God to speak to me. And how much simpler is it for the Holy Spirit to put a thought into your mind that is his thought? Now, over time, as we begin to act on those things, we realize more and more and more that he is the one who is giving us those thoughts. There was a, um, a testimony from a guy, a book I read on prayer a long while ago, and the guy was talking about God speaking, and, and uh, this, this elderly lady said, you know what, I've never heard God speak to me. But when he sat down and went through her life, she heard God speaking nearly every day, but she didn't recognize it as that. And I want to encourage you today, God speaks to you far more than you think. 
The problem is very often we don't sit down and spend the time. And, and the big challenge, that there's no way to get around this. I have looked, let me tell you, I am over 50. I've been teaching and doing Christian ministry for over 30 years. And I have looked hard, long, I've researched everything to find a method that will work in all circumstances, and there is none. Because God is not into methods, he's into a relationship through which he will work. And if you look at healing evangelists in our history, they all did it differently. I mean, Smith Wigglesworth used to punch the demon. I mean, nowadays he'd be in prison. I remember reading of a man who came with throat cancer and Smith Wigglesworth punched him in the throat and he got healed. They brought to him a sick baby and he drop-kicked it off the stage. And when it landed, it was healed. Now, I would not encourage you to follow that. And we look and we kind of think, how can someone do that? You've got to operate within the faith and the way that God works through you. And different people operate in a different manner. The, the, the point is this, these guys would spend a huge amount of time sitting with the Lord. They knew what God was saying. They knew what God was speaking through. They were ready in the moment because they had prepared themselves spiritually to hear God. And we have the biggest curse in the West is that we have distraction at our fingertips that take away our attention. We have things that, you know, the, the, the more I ponder on these things, the more I see what I think are demonic influences. If you go back 30 years, people used to be able to concentrate. And now we have ADHD and this D and that D and, and so many other things within it. But some of it is because we have phones that constantly interrupt us. We have TV programs that constantly interrupt with an advert here and an advert there. And what it is teaching us is not to sit still for a long period of time. And you'll notice, I, I want to challenge you, take your smartphone or your television and turn it off and sit for one hour doing nothing. And after five minutes, you'll be walking around, okay, what can I do? Because we're not, we're not in this mode where we can focus. And the thing is, to hear from God and to learn from God, you need to sit down and develop the time of spending time with God. And we each have challenges that we have to come through that. I have for 30 years, I was always taught to read through my Bible and I've read through my Bible in the last 30 years at least twice or each year. Yep, I kind of do that. One and a half times, two times in a year. And this year, God has said to me, I don't want you to do that anymore. And it's taken me six months to kick that habit. And you might think, well, that's not a very good habit to get, because God wants me to do something different. And so I am now meditating on shorter chunks of scripture and I'm finding God is speaking to me more than he ever did through the reading. I think reading is good, but I think you can read the Bible without hearing God at all. 
How many of you can remember what you read this morning or what you read yesterday? Because quite often, sometimes I couldn't even remember the book I was reading. But when I meditate on it, when I slow down and I say, okay, so what, what I'm doing is um, I started in Matthew and I'm still in chapter, what am I on, chapter three now. I will just read through the text slowly and I'll say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to hear today? What is it that you need me to hear today? And I read through and I, I focus through on it and I say, I want you to speak through to me in what I'm doing through. And so I've been going through um, Matthew and there are a number of things that God within it is beginning to speak into my own heart that I apply into my daily life. And when I finished, I actually don't finish because as I'm reading, I'm beginning to pray into my life. I'm beginning to pray into the lives of other people. Uh, I'm beginning to pray either into situations and contexts. And I'm finding that at the end, I feel like I've eaten. I feel like, which, which sometimes with my Bible reading, I didn't have. I just felt like I'd done a duty. I've just read and I'm moving on. And this is helping me not just to understand Scripture, but to hear God, to pray and to learn how I'm praying things and to work through those things. One of the things, so I've been reading through, and one of the things that challenged me was Joseph. You know, I've always seen Joseph as being a kind of, um, what's the word? He was there just to support Mary. She was the, the main one in the show. Yeah, he was just the guy who was there. And as I read through, God really spoke to me. He said, Joseph twice saved Jesus' life. It was Joseph that did that. He saved his life when he was born. Because the angel spoke to him in the middle of the night and says, get up, Herod's going to kill the child, take him. And he got up that night, took the child, took him away. He was used by God. And when he came back, Archelaus, Herod's son, was there and he didn't go to where he was going to go. He then lived somewhere else twice. And just think about it, without Joseph, Jesus would not be alive. He'd have been killed. And it challenged me it challenged me that this guy, he was an upright man, but it also encouraged me because the thing out of it that really encouraged me was that when there is no word in the Bible to guide you, God sends an angel. There was no context for Joseph. Joseph, you know, um, he saw that Mary was pregnant and he was going to divorce her quietly because he was a good man. And it says, as he was considering these things, the angel spoke. And I love the fact, and it, what, it, what it encouraged me on is where I face situations where there is nothing direct in the Bible to help me, God will send me an angel. And he did it a couple of times with Joseph. He did it with Mary. I mean, hey, for Mary, there was no Old Testament scripture to really help her out about being pregnant without a guy. And so what did God do? He sends an angel, speaks, and she's obedient. Here's Joseph situation. What do I do here? This was my plan. It's all gone up and pear-shaped. I don't know what to do. God sends an angel. But maybe he'll send you a dream. Maybe he'll send you somebody else. But I want to encourage you. It is about spending time 
with God. And if there's one thing that I can say to you in my whole life of ministry is that you will never rise above the time you give to God. I know that my family is as good as the time I invest in my family. My relationship with my wife is as good as the time I invest in spending time with her, with my son, with my daughter. It's only as good as that. And let me tell you, you may wish a whole load of things about God, but the proof of the pudding is if you're willing to switch off the TV, turn off your phone, pick up your Bible, sit there and say, okay, Lord, I'm here. What are you saying? And if we do that consistently, and out of that come the prayers where we say, Lord, we want to see people saved. We want to see people healed. We want to see people delivered. And the thing is, the church, sadly in my opinion, the church has shied away from spending time with God. I'm not on about Hope Church. I'm on about the church in the West. And they've decided to use the principle of entertainment and business. They've said the way we'll get people in is by great entertainment on the platform. And our challenge is we can fill this place. We can see all those things that Les saw in the vision simply through us praying, spending time with God, doing what he says, and we will fill this quicker than we can think. But it involves us giving time to God. And there's no, there's no shortcut. I wish I could tell you that there is one thing you could do that would shortcut anything, but I can tell you of 50 years and following Christ that the only way is by spending time with God. And not with an agenda, and not with a time limit, and not with a prefix, oh, I just have to read four chapters and I'm done. No, no, no. You sit down like you would sit down with someone and say, right, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are you saying? And I guarantee that you will see a massive change in your walk with God. Every day, you give him some time. Every day. And you'll find you'll want to increase that time. And all of a sudden, you're on the bus and a conversation and God is at work. You're at work, conversation, God is at work. You think, how are these things happening? They are happening because you are spending time with God and it's beginning to filter through into everything that you do. And that is essentially it. I've looked at, you, you can do all the courses and all the things that you like, and some of them will be very beneficial, but the bottom line is you've got to spend time with God so that you can hear him and so that the Spirit can work through you in that. And that's it. And our church and the future of our church is not dependent upon me. It's dependent on all of us and saying, let's spend time with God and see what God will do. And the other thing I want to really encourage you in is really where I was speaking at with Les is just get out and do it. I remember when we did the mission in April, I remember it was Graham uh, Haynes who said um, that he's having, he has loads of conversations with people, but he just wasn't pushing it through to asking them, do you want to become a believer? And he said, actually, it's not that difficult. And the thing is, we shy away from some of those things, just simply praying. And it is a challenge. Sometimes we don't see the stuff. And when you pray for healing, commanding prayer. 
just rebuking something. And the challenge then is to say to somebody, as Les said, is it any better? Is it any better? Has anything changed? Well, let's pray again. And if we do this on a day-by-day basis, people will be busting down the door to get in here because they say, you know what? In here there is deliverance, there's healing, there's the power of God, there's the love of God. All those things come by the Spirit of God. And so I'm encouraged. Thank you, Les. I'm encouraged because... God wants to do something in this place. And we need, we, we need to see it. Especially with all of the mental health, the physical illnesses that people are suffering with, that we are the only place, the church is the only place where we can see a real release and freedom from these things. Let's pray.